Hi, welcome back. We're in this series called By My Spirit. Really hope you've been enjoying it. And if you've missed any of the previous ones, you can catch up on them on our social media platforms and our website. But we're going to continue today in this series that we've titled By My Spirit, by looking at the thought of being empowered by the Spirit. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've just stopped and taken a moment to think about the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, why the Holy Spirit has come to our lives, how he came to our lives, but also the big why. What does he want to do? Does he want to be inactive in our lives? No, I don't think so. Anytime God does anything, it's always with purpose. And when he sent his spirit to come and live in our lives, there was great purpose in that as well. Now, in week one, we looked at being filled with the spirit. In week two, which was last week, we looked at being led by the spirit. How he doesn't want to be inactive, Rather, he wants to be leading us in our daily lives, not just the big or crisis decisions, but the little ones, every thought, every plan. Do you know that you're able to include the Holy Spirit who now lives in you in the everyday mundane decisions that you need to make? As you do, you know a wisdom beyond your own. You know a knowing beyond your own. And you know the will of God, which always leads you to great places. We saw that the key reason that the Holy Spirit came was to empower us and to lead us. But he wants to lead us in the pathways of God. Like I said, those pathways always lead to pleasant places. Now, he wants to be the key leadership in our life. In all of our lives, there's a key leadership space. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to serve your soul. Rather, he wants your soul, or what the Bible would term as the flesh, the self-life-led you, to now be under the rule and reign of the Holy Spirit. Not that you haven't got a soul, God designed you with a soul, but he wants each and every one of us to bring the soulishness or the soul of who we are under the rule and the reign and the leadership Now, we've termed it this way, that there's a new driver in the car. The good news of the message of the gospel is it gives us a brand new car, a new creation life. But there's even greater news that not only has God given us a new life, but he's also given us a new driver, the Holy Spirit. But we need to be willing to move out of the driver's chair into the passenger chair. Not only has he given us a new driver, But he's also given us a new engine because the engine of the car is the power of the car. The engine of the car is the ability of the car. Not only have we got a new driver to lead our lives to better places, but God has also empowered our life and made the engine of who we are much greater than what it was before we belonged to Jesus. Now, as well as leading us and guiding us, He comes to empower us, to provide us with power that we need to live out the new life that God has given us. He comes to give us power so that we can do all the things that God is asking for us to do. Think about it for a moment. Before we had the Holy Spirit living in us, it was all about our pre-cross, pre-Christ ability, which was what we could bring to the table. 
But now that we've got the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of the living God living in us, suddenly our life doesn't stop at the end of our ability. That's exciting, isn't it? But God didn't just give us a new car, but he changed the ability and power within us. Remember, our key verse is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's taken from Zechariah 4, verse 6. The good news is that now he provides the ability we need. Number one, to live the life he's called us to do. Number two, to do all the things that he commissions or asks of us. So God isn't asking us to do it in our strength. He's asking us to become available, but also learn how to lean on him for everything we need to complete what has been asked of us. Now, there's two other key verses that I'd like to refer to when we look at the promise of empowerment, and that's Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to those passages, Luke 24, Acts chapter 1. Now, both these verses are statements made by Jesus after his resurrection and just prior to his ascension. Now, we know that Jesus died on a cross, was buried in a tomb. He rose on the third day. And there was a space of time before his uh, after his resurrection, before his ascension, where the disciples saw him. He trained and equipped the disciples and he made a number of statements. Now, these two statements that we're looking at were made by Jesus to his followers in those moments before he ascends to be seated at the right hand side of a father. The first one we find in Luke 24, verse 49. It says to us, and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power that comes from on high. So what was Jesus saying? Because prior to this statement, we know the Great Commission. He was saying to his followers, go, go, go. All of a sudden he's saying, go, but stay. Before you go, stay. Why? Because if they'd gone when he told them to go, they would have been in their own strength, subject to their own ability. God had a better plan than that. Not only was he sending them, but he had a moment where he was going to fill them with his spirit. And then when they went, they would go not only in their ability, but carrying his as well. Let's look now at the second passage of scripture that we find in the book of Acts chapter 1. It says to us, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Lord, will you restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? He said to them, it's not for you to know <clears throat> the times or the seasons that the father has fixed in his own authority. Here's the bit I want to underline, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive empowerment when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. So in both of these passages spoken before his ascension, he says, I've got big plans for you. I'm going to do things through your life. You're going to be able to live the life that I'm asking you to live. But first, you've got to receive my spirit 
to come and reside, rule and reign within you. And then you'll be limitless in what you can do. It's the same for us. There's a pre-cross us, there's a pre-salvation us, where we're limited to our own ability. But in the same way that God had a plan for the first church, he's got a plan for the church today because we're the same church. That the Holy Spirit comes into our life to lead us, but also empower us and give us divine or supernatural ability. Now, in both those passages, the book of Luke, book of Acts, it uses the word power. Now, we know that the word power is the Greek word dynamis, from where we get dunamis, dynamite. And when you think of dynamite, you're not thinking of gentle power, but actually power that reshapes things. Now, when you look up the word that's used here by Jesus twice, it means miraculous power, ability, abundance, might, power, and strength. <clears throat> so what Jesus was saying to his disciples was, you shall receive miraculous power, ability, abundance, might, power, and strength be on your own. When the Holy Spirit comes to not just be upon your life, but reside and live within it. See, the Holy Spirit empowers our lives with supernatural ability. I love that definition or the outworking of that word power in the Greek. But it also means divine ability. You will receive divine ability. The ability of God will now be present within your life. Now, we know that when the Holy Spirit is in our lives when we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. But also we can now know an ability beyond what we had before. Look at it this way. At the end of the boundary lines of your own ability, at that place in your ability where you say, I can't do it anymore. I have nothing more to give. The end of where your ability is, is the beginning of where his starts, which actually makes our lives very powerful if we will believe this and live in accordance to it. Now, when we read Jesus' teaching on the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit in John 14, John 15 and John 16, he refers to the Holy Spirit so many times as helper. There's certain places where he's called teacher, comforter. But a lot of the time when Jesus is introducing the coming of his spirit, he uses the word helper. Again, the Greek word for helper is parakletos. And that word parakletos means one who comes alongside and assists and aids. Now, we could have a visual example of this today. Imagine if I was trying to move this table and I was using all of my ability to move this table, but I just couldn't move this table with my own ability. Suddenly, a helper would come along, Paracletus, and he would take the other side of the table and together we would be able to move the table. Now, that's a simple example, but that's exactly what the Holy Spirit 
wants to do in your life and mine. He wants to meet us at the end of where we haven't got what we need and we need help and be the helper, the empowerment of God for us to live like we haven't lived before and for us to do things that we never knew that we could do. How exciting is that? Sila, stop. Think about that for a moment. Pause for thought. But the Holy Spirit isn't just with you, but he's now in you to be heaven's helper concerning all that involves you and your life now that you belong to Jesus. Now, Paul understood this really well. If you don't read everything that Paul's saying, you could maybe at times pursue, uh, presume him to be arrogant, where he's not. He's confident because he knows that the Holy Spirit, the treasure of heaven, is living within the earthen vessel of who he is. Let me read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 to 10. It says to us, but he said to me, this is when Paul is praying, Lord, could you help me with something that's happening in my life, which is a struggle. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power, my ability is made perfect in your inability or your weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power <clears throat> may rest on me. What was Paul saying? He was saying, I'll boast in my inability. I'll boast that I can't do certain things because when I boast in what I can't do, yet you see me doing things, you will reach the conclusion that it is God working in me, doing the things that I can't do. Then Paul carries on. This is why, for Christ's sake, <clears throat> I've learned to delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And then he makes this statement, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I've heard people preach that before and say, and Paul said, when I am weak, then he is strong. It doesn't say that. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. What was he saying? When I come to the end of my ability, when I find myself too weak, too unable, I then find within myself new ability, new power. And that's the, the ability and the power of the Holy Spirit now living in me. Again, I want to read from the book of Philippians where Paul speaks on this subject a little further. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 to 13, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to be, have plenty. I've learned, to, uh, I've learned the secret of being content in any given situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Then he makes this statement, and I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, if you ended that final statement halfway through, you would be left probably with the thought of an arrogant man. I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do everything. But Paul was actually saying, I can now do all things 
because I understand my weakness. I understand where my inability suddenly surfaces. I know at the boundary lines of my greatest effort where I can do no more. That's where I find within me the person of the Holy Spirit who comes and helps me to move for things that I can't in my own strength and ability. Again, sila, I love that word. It means pause for thought. But the same power that we read about, the same ability that we read about throughout the Old Testament, when we read about Samson and moments where powerful things happened in the Old Testament, then we read about um, the Spirit of God rising Christ from the dead, We read about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, in the Gospels. We see uh, the Lord Jesus moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit now lives in us. Wow, I think that would be stopping, worth stopping to think about for a morning or a day, wouldn't it? Because when the understanding or the revelation that you are now filled with God's own spirit, rises the understanding of the thinking of your mind. Then you will begin to do things that you don't think you can do. You'll be able to forgive what you couldn't forgive. Love that which was once unlovable. God doesn't ask us to do things in our own strength alone. The first footstep may be ours to take. But the other footsteps that cause us to arrive where he's asking us to go are provided by him. This is a twofold benefit for us, isn't it? Number one, this is good for us. But number two, it's also good for others because God has called us to minister his life to other people. Firstly, let's look at us. So we've got the Holy Spirit now living in us. So we've experienced and we can experience healing and freedom in our lives. Remember what it says in 2 Corinthians 3, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Because we have the Holy Spirit now living in us, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is healing. We now have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have the power and ability in us to do things like resist temptations that we couldn't resist before. Remember, before you knew Jesus, the temptations that came always won, always took you away because you were living in your own strength and ability. When we understand that the Holy Spirit is now living in us, we have the ability to say no to temptations that always took us previously. These are just highlights and glimpses to some of the things that we can experience personally because we're filled with the Spirit. We can walk away from addictions and things that controlled us. We can forgive what we said we couldn't forgive before. Remember before you were filled with the Spirit, maybe somebody hurt you, somebody harmed you, somebody did you wrong. And when you searched yourself for the ability to forgive them, it was never there. You just couldn't do it. All of a sudden, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And you find when you walk by faith and step out to forgive like God commissions you to, the ability to forgive. That's because you're not the same as what you were before you received the Holy Spirit into your life. 
The list could go on so much more, so much more, so much more. But I also want to underline that the Holy Spirit is on your life and in your life for the benefit of others. We don't want to be selfish about this. Yes, God has empowered us, given us uh, his own ability so that we can be more than conquerors, so that we can be overcomers, so that we can beat temptations, addictions, low self-esteem, anything that held us captive. Yes, he wants to bring us to perfect freedom because of his presence now in us. But he also wants us to bring his freedom and his wholeness to others. You've heard me say before that the Spirit of God is in us for us, but he's also on us for others. Jesus recognized this in the book of Luke when he went into the temple and caused such an uproar when he unrolled the scroll and began to declare, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. Remember those passages? Open blind eyes, set captives free, set people at liberty, help those who were bruised, proclaim jubilee, the acceptable. Jesus was saying the spirit of the Lord that's spoken of in the scroll is upon me. And everything was fine until the moment that Jesus put the scroll down and said these words. Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. He was saying, I'm the one that they're speaking of. I'm the person with the Spirit on me. But remember, the Holy Spirit was on him for the benefit of the broken, the bruised, the needy. Now, stay with me. This was also the, the um, primary theme of what's spoken of of the coming of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 6. You will receive power, ability, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will then be successful witness, witnesses for me in your local world, your Jerusalem, further afield and even to the ends of the earth. Can you see that the Holy Spirit isn't just given for us? He's also given so that God can do through our lives things that bring freedom and healing and wholeness and new beginnings to other people that we reach out to, to introduce them to the life of Christ. We're called to preach the gospel, every person, not just church leaders, to pray for the sick and to cast out devils. Now, Jesus wouldn't ask us to do these things if he didn't give us the ability to do them. The Holy Spirit fills our life so that we can have a confidence but when I lay hands or I pray for a sick person, it's not about my ability to make them well, but it's about the life of the vine, the life of Jesus, now flowing from within me, bringing wholeness to them, setting them free, releasing captives. You know, in many ways, we need to look at that statement in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. We need to unroll that scroll over our own lives, don't we? Have the courage, which we can have, because the Bible clearly teaches us that we can have this confidence. To read those verses, the Spirit of the Lord is on me for the benefit of others. And then stop for a moment and say, and surely this is fulfilled 
in me, on me, and through me, today, tomorrow, and for the rest of my life. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Who is there you can't forgive? What is it that you can't do? What is it that makes you inadequate any longer? My friends, the answer to that is nothing. He is our strength. He is our ability. He is our wisdom. He is our knowledge. He is our life. In him, we live, we move, and we have our being. So we unroll the scroll over our lives today. And we say, thank you, Holy Spirit, that we asked you to fill our lives, to come and reside within our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you came. You live within our lives to lead us and guide us, but also empower us to live differently. But also you empower us to live out the life in the commission that you gave us, you gave us to live. We do not preach a powerless gospel, but a full gospel. A gospel that includes God empowering the lives of those he saves. It would be a wonderful gospel to preach a gospel that says God forgives, God removes our sin. All of those elements are important when it comes to the gospel that we preach. But I love it that a full gospel says he completely saves you makes you a new creation, and then he comes to live inside of you to give you the ability to live a different life and be a new creation like he's told you that you are. Today, think about these things. We're a people who belong to God. We're a people who are now in Christ. We're a people who now experience the power of the Spirit of Christ now living in us. We're a people who can be led by the Spirit in our daily lives. We're a people who are empowered by the Spirit in our lives and for the benefit of others. Come back and join me next week and we'll carry on with this conversation. God bless.